Welcome to the State of Sales Enablement Podcast with your host, Felix Kruger. Insights and actionable advice from B2B marketing and sales experts that share what it takes to achieve sales enablement excellence. Hey everyone, welcome back to the State of Sales Enablement Podcast. My name is Felix Kruger and I'm your host. A few weeks back, I was invited by Nick Zeke Lopez to join the Mind the Gap podcast. And we had a really great discussion around the State of Sales Enablement in 2022, what it takes to develop a high impact sales enablement strategy and some of the most common challenges organizations that are just getting started with sales enablement have to deal with. This episode is a really great one for CEOs and sales leaders who are just embarking on their sales enablement journey. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did, and let's dive right in. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mind the Gap, Enablix's only podcast seeking sales and marketing alignment. I'm your host, Nick Zeke Lopez, and today I'm joined by fellow podcast host, Felix Kruger. Felix, how's it going? Nick, thank you so much for having me. I am excited to be on the show. I've been Listening to the podcast for a while, I've been following Enablex for a while, so I'm very excited to dive into it. And I like that you're friendly. I thought this was going to be a bit of a duel, seeing as you have your podcast and you're on ours. If you did well enough, you would then just become the host of this one, I thought, <laughs> is how it works. So, right. I think it's called Hostile Takeover. Hostile Takeover. That's actually the name of my new podcast. But <laughs> no, but so for the people that don't know you, Felix, you go by Krugs, I'm assuming. We haven't talked about that. Tell the people what you do and a little bit about your podcast. I run a consultancy business here in Sydney, Australia, which is called Fast Forward. We are specialized in sales enablement, and we essentially work with companies mainly in the B2B tech space, tech and media, broadly speaking, on enabling their sales team to perform on a higher level and to generate more sustainable revenue. At the same time, I also run my podcast, The State of Sales Enablement, where I interview sales and sales enablement leaders and business leaders from around the world on the topic of sales enablement, different angles, mm -hmm. their experiences, real world insights, case studies, and so on. So I've been doing this for a year or so now, and it's been a blast. And I can understand why you run this podcast. There's so much learning that you do when you run a podcast, and there's so many interesting people that you meet. So for anybody who's interested in and learning more about sales enablement and can't get enough of Nick's podcast, I can also highly recommend tuning into mine. All right. We keep plugs to the end here, Felix. All right. So uh, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I wanted to get it in early in case you cut me off. So <laughs> yeah, at the 25 minute mark, we just go dark. <laughs> so the first thing I want to talk about is like you mentioned, you have your sales enablement consultancy. First of all, I believe that you said you've been doing that for a year now. Why sales enablement now? Can we start there? Yeah, sure. So. My business has been running for almost three years now, actually, and I have a background in sales enablement. That's why the sort of work that we're doing initially in my business, which was at launch, more positioned as a B2B marketing agency, the work that we were doing always gravitated towards sales enablement. So we, mm -hmm. we had a very strong focus on actually impacting sales in a positive way with the sort of marketing work that we were doing. So it was not an isolated view on marketing. There was always a view on closely collaborating with the sales team of all clients. And eventually this whole work gravitated so close to sales enablement that for the last one and a half years or so, essentially 90% of the things that we were doing were sales enablement. And that's why we relaunched now in January as Fast Forward. And we essentially fully focus on sales enablement consulting 
and creating an impact for clients' businesses on that front. I find that interesting. My background is in mostly enterprise sales and marketing environments. Can you tell me a little bit about what sales enablement consulting looks like? You're obviously, you know, you're coming in and, and you're learning. I know a lot of revenue operations and sales enablement, they feel like you got to be in there. You got to be in there for a long time to really make an impact. Can you tell me what the consultative looks like? There's essentially two parts to it. So the number one reason why clients work with us is because they want to accelerate their strategy development, because they realize that sales enablement is such a big opportunity for their business. There's a lot of case studies and research out there that prove what sort of impacts self-enablement can create for businesses. And a lot of clients realize that if their competitors are investing in self-enablement or are considering investing in self-enablement, there's no time to be wasted. What we do is we essentially come in and develop a strategy based on a very detailed audit. So we audit all components that inform the strategy. So that includes interviews with the go-to-market leadership, that includes interviews with the actual sales reps, interviews also with clients. We observe their whole technology stack, revenue performance to date. We look at CRM data and so on. So we essentially attempt with this order to paint a picture that is as close as possible to reality. Because if you only speak to one person, you get their reality, but you might not get the reality. Then we move on to doing the actual strategy work. So we, based on that audit, we extract certain insights and more often than not immediately identify opportunities for improvement. But then we also develop the strategy. And the way that typically looks like is we map the buyer journey as a basis because that's not very often done in organizations, believe it or not. And surprisingly, a lot of organizations that consider themselves to be very customer-centric don't actually go through that exercise of mapping the buyer journey. So that's what we do with them. We then overlay the sales process, identify how the sales team actually supports buyers in making better decisions as fast as possible for their business. And again, identify whether there's gaps or not, whether customers could be served better through the sales process, and then identify all the different areas that contribute to the sales process and what is needed to set salespeople up for success. And mm -hmm. that then feeds into the plan for the execution. So we map out initiatives that then improve certain components of that sales process according to the buyer journey, and then roll those things out and support the execution. You had mentioned, you said, hey, you could look at case studies, you could see how important sales enablement is to a sales team. Why is that? Like, what is it about sales enablement, especially I think in the last five years that has made it so important? Like we talk a lot about sales, a lot about marketing. So far, I haven't spoken to a lot of sales enablement leaders. Why hmm. do you see it as so critical? So I think you have to realize that most technology businesses spend 20% of their revenues on sales and marketing. And that's a very significant investment for a business. Yeah. And considering that investment being made, you really want to make sure that you get the biggest return on investment. And that's exactly mm -hmm. where sales enablement comes in. It essentially protects the investments being made on the sales front for a business and optimizes the performance. Yeah. That's on a macro level. On a micro level, when we look at individual reps, and you look at the environment a sales rep operates in, we essentially set them up for success. So if you think about the worst case scenario where no sales enablement is being done, where sales managers are essentially just monitoring revenue performance, passing on spreadsheets, and there's no active effort being done to support sales reps, sales reps are pretty much left on their own. They have to figure it all out. 
They have to bring their own knowledge from previous jobs into the role and work out their personally best way to sell. Yeah. And if you're a good sales rep, there can be a recipe for success, but at the same time, it's not very fair to the individual. You want sales reps to be set up for success in a way that you align all components contributing to sales performance in a way that they have the best possible chance to hit their revenue targets. Yeah. And mm -hmm. sales enablement does that across a whole lot of different areas. So the areas that we would typically look at is the buyer acumen, the sales technology stack, sales content, and coaching and training. And all of these components we combine to empower the sales reps as much as possible to ensure that they hit their personal targets. And then on a larger level that the business hits the strategic revenue goals and creates an environment where the revenue performance can be achieved in a sustainable way. I'm thinking about it now because what you described is basically, like you said, helping reps to succeed. But you could look at it like that at any stage of the business, like CS, but even going down into product and engineering. Do you see, and maybe it's a bit of both, I don't mean to box you in here. Do you see sales enablement being kind of like the tip of the enablement iceberg? Like, are we going to see CS enablement and then like ops enablement and product enablement? Or is it that it's different for reps because they have a revenue number to hit and that makes their job different than everybody else? How do you see that? Yeah, absolutely. I think we've already moved the conversation from sales enablement to revenue enablement, revenue enablement, including customer success as well. So essentially aligning all the factors on that front that customers remain engaged with the product, that customers hit their personal strategic goals and remain long-term customers. So that conversation has already happened. I think mm -hmm. the reason why enablement is a function that is currently so close to revenue like to market-facing teams is because it is directly correlated to revenue. So companies are very happy to invest in that area. But to your point, in terms of other areas within a business that can benefit from enablement, I think this is, as you said, literally the tip of the iceberg. So I think if you think about engineering departments or HR, the principles mm -hmm. of enablement, meaning that you set those departments up for success, that you align all the resources within a business to make sure that they can succeed. I think that is very beneficial to a business to explore. And I think that there will be the evolution of sales enablement on the track. But at this stage, I think a lot of businesses are still very busy with getting sales enablement right okay. and revenue enablement right. I think we're just at the start of the whole development, but I do agree that it will probably spill into other departments of a business as well. Well, let's go into that. I personally haven't thought about this as much, but, but what you just said kind of did it for me. So sales enablement in your mind rolls up to sales or marketing or another department in an organization. Where should that live? It should certainly live in sales. So you have to be as close to your internal customers as you can be. The most important customers are obviously your customers. But, <laughs> but at the same time, unless you're close to sales, you understand what sales reps need and you have the support from frontline management, nothing will happen, right? You can't sit yeah. in your office on another floor and only talk to sales on the phone or over Zoom these days and like not being seen as being part of the whole setup, right? So you have to be yeah. close to them. But when it comes to other departments, sales enablement collaborates with all the other departments within the business. So if you think about hiring the right staff for the sales team, you collaborate closely with HR. When it comes to implementing sales tech and systems that help to create efficiencies, customer facing and internally, you would in those scenarios collaborate with IT. 
marketing, obviously super important from a content point of view, but also in the other direction of actually enabling marketing by passing on information about the customers and the sort of conversations that you have in market as well. All of those departments are connected through sales enablement, but the ultimate focus in terms of the outputs of sales enablement should always be the revenue performance of the sales team. Well, I like what you said, that to be effective, sales enablement has to be in the trenches. It can't be far away. Other thought, though, is so like you said, sales enablement, it's helping sales, it's helping marketing. And as you mentioned, revenue enablement, we're going to grow enablement. Does enablement just become a function of HR, like a broad multi-team, multi-discipline, like, hey, you are responsible for enablement. And right now it's revenue. Do you see that happening or do you see that always being within the teams themselves? I think there are some scenarios where sales enablement sits really close to senior executive leadership, close to the go-to-market strategy. And depending on the size of the organization, it would certainly be a function that very closely collaborates with the CEO. In smaller organizations, the CEO would be the person developing the go-to-market strategy and sometimes even be the sales manager, having sales reps reporting straight into them. So in those kind of scenarios, it's more of a centralized function that then feeds into the sales team. But in larger organizations, still the majority of the time, it sits within the sales team. But I think down the track, there could also be a scenario where it's a centralized function that reports straight into senior executive leadership, but that then services all parts of the business and essentially makes sure that all the factors within the business are aligned to generate the strategic outputs that the senior leadership has set out for them. It's interesting you say that because at Enablix, I believe we have even have a blog. One of our better performing blogs is marketing should own sales content enablement or sales content management. And that's the party line, right? That's outside of this podcast. But the thought being, if sales own sales enablement, how do you know if what's going right or wrong, right? Like, can enablement be doing really well and sales be doing poorly? Or on the other hand, if sales is doing well, can enablement be doing poorly? Where do you draw that line? Like, how do you know what's working or not working between sales and sales enablement if they're all kind of near the same team? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so the ultimate North Star should always be revenue. I think in a lot of organizations, sales enablement kind of grew out of the sales training space. And there's still a very heavy focus on sales training and onboarding, not considering things like sales tech platforms or content too much. Yeah, and I think in those kind of scenarios, sales enablement is still incentivized mainly on activity. So it comes down to how many training sessions have been run, how many participants have you had, and so on. But if you think about sales enablement in a strategic way, and you sit down with the chief revenue officer of your business at the end of the quarter, and you tell them how many training sessions you have run, you probably won't get any excitement from that person if you tell them all the sales reps have attended the 20 training sessions that we have run. What the chief revenue officer ultimately cares about are revenue-related metrics. Yeah, And that is the baseline revenue, of course, the, the absolute revenue figure being brought in, but also revenue-related KPI. So that's things like win rate, that's metrics like time to first and second revenue for new hires, like how fast they actually start generating revenue for the business that is average deal size, that is revenue composition in terms of what sort of products have been sold to what sort of customers and so on. So I think it gets more fragmented beyond revenue, but revenue should always be the North Star for sales enablement. So to answer your question, whether sales enablement can do really well and sales at the same time not do well, I don't think so. Mm -hmm. If revenue is the North Star, both should have the same goal and both should be aligned on that front. 
there's a good meme out there and you can make it if you want, but the second breakfast meme from Lord of the Rings, you see the movie? It's like, yeah, we had first revenue, but what about second revenue? That's like, right. That's, uh, I, li- I like your idea. Time to second revenue there. So you see the industry from a pretty broad perspective, seeing companies, specifically B2B tech, which I think is like most of where a lot of sales enablement or revenue enablement is happening right now. Obviously everywhere else, but B2B tech, huge. Can you think of common mistakes you see made? Earlier, you'd mentioned things like, well, yeah, they think that they're following like a buyer's journey, but they're actually not starting with the buyer or the customer. Are there other things that you like Felix's hot tips, which is a- another name for the podcast we're going to have. What are common mistakes you see people just being made either through ignorance or not know it? Yeah, I think there's a few things that typically come up. Number one is attempting to boil the ocean. I think it's a big one. People get all excited about sales enablement. They want to launch that function within the business, but then they try to do too much and they suffer from analysis, paralysis, and they (laughs) take half a year to a year to develop their strategy. But by that time, everything in market has already changed. The customer behavior has changed. The sort of issues that you have identified within the sales team have changed and so on. So moving fast on the sales enablement front is crucial to actually capture the moment and really make smart strategic decisions that really have an impact on the Mm -hmm. things that you do. The second big mistake that I see is that there's no attempt to overcome silos, especially if sales enablement sits within the sales team as an internal function. There's sometimes a dynamic where there's a lot of collaboration happening with other teams. So I think good sales enablement builds bridges between those other departments and really makes sure that sales benefits from all the resources available across the business to really perform on the highest level. And then the third issue that I typically see is the measurement side of things. I touched on it earlier. I think the biggest mistake that you can make is measure KPIs that are related to activity. And as we know, activity doesn't pay the bills, unfortunately. (laughs) And that's why revenue-related KPIs are really important. And it's really important to understand that sales enablement is not solely responsible for revenue, of course. Otherwise, they would be picking up the phone and calling customers. But sales enablement has a very big role in allowing revenue to happen. And I think revenue-related KPIs should be tracked as early as possible to assess the impact that sales enablement has for the business. I like your three-step plan there. I've been guilty of number one in the past of being like, all right, we're going to do sales enablement. We got to do it right and yeah. then you wind up a few weeks later, like, ah, we've done almost nothing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. And I think you can start very small. It's that rule. I'm sure there's some sort of technical term for it. But if you want to get started with a task or if you want to complete a task, just do it for five minutes. So you get in the swing mm-hmm. of things and you complete it, right? And I think it's the same yeah. with sales enablement. You can start super small in a structured way, in a focused way to really try and make a difference. But the most important thing is that you start to build momentum to really move things forward. Yeah. Procrastination is real. And I think not only individuals, but also businesses as a whole suffer from it. Yeah. I, one of my favorite, the quote I always think of it is, if it's worth doing, it's worth half-assing. Being like, if it's, <laughs> like obviously you want to do it right, right? If it's yeah. worth doing, it's worth getting it done right. But if it's worth doing, at least do a bad job at first to just start doing it. And then you're going to do a better job, but you have to start and don't expect perfection, but just start. Exactly. And I, I, you know, I'm going to be the Shia LaBeouf YouTube guy soon to say, just do it. But, (laughs) but so we started the episode talking about how important sales enablement has been over the last five years. However, the last time horizon we want to talk about, we've seen a few things happen over the last, I'll say two or three years. Correct me if I'm wrong. The rise of RevOps as being this really important part of sales and sales enablement. 
these learning and coaching platforms really taking off and being critical to how people see the success of their sales platforms. As we look ahead, can you think of anything that within sales enablement will, I mean, where is it going? Do you have any predictions for the future and anything in your mind that will help, you know, we talk about mind the gap, what will help bridge the gap in two, three, four, five years? The number one thing I would say is we touched on earlier that sales enablement will become enablement period. And it will be a function within the business that's responsible for empowering all the departments and setting departments up for success by aligning all the resources that help them to do a better job. That's number one. I think that's the ultimate future of enablement. I think that will become normal down the track. I don't want to lock myself into a time prediction because if people listening to this in five years time, they, they would well, Hey, if that. people are listening to this episode in five years time, we're doing pretty damn well, Felix. So I'm okay with that. I hear you're pretty good in SEO. So we'll make it happen. We'll make it happen. But I think that will be the ultimate goal. And I think there will be a time where that is the standard and people will think back to today and just shake their heads thinking there were really businesses out there that weren't enabling their sales staff or anybody else. I think that will pretty much become the gold standard. I think apart from that, sales enablement as a function within a business will mature. So meaning that best practices will be shared across the whole industry and the definition of sales enablement that you currently have, which can vary wildly, but can be anything from sales training. In some cases, it's just content creation or it's just training or it's just a certain technology tool. I think the definition of what enablement is will become much more specific and the body of knowledge around the things that work and don't work and possibly also academic courses for universities will also become available to actually teach what sales enablement is and really become a profession in itself. So that is a bold prediction I'm going to hold you to. So it's February 9th. We're recording this on February 9th, 2022. Can I get a firm yes or no? On February 9th, 2027, if I accept my calendar, will I be able to find a major in sales enablement at a university at that point? Yes. Okay, we've got it. We've got the hard prediction. That's what we need. I will mark my calendar if I have an app that goes that far into the future. Uh, Okay, so I really appreciate your thoughts on that one. Before we go, I want to let you plug your stuff. Tell the people, do you have anything going on that you want to point the people to? You can check our business out at goffwd.com, which is our website. So my business is Fast Forward, a sales enablement consultancy that works with sales leaders and sales enablers in technology and media on fast-tracking their strategy development and guides the implementation of sales enablement initiatives. So if sales enablement is on your radar, You don't necessarily want to invest in a full resource or you want to make things happen quicker for your business, please reach out to us. Otherwise, connect with me on LinkedIn as well. So Felix Kruger, you can look me up. I think I'm one of the only ones. There's another one in Germany. I'm the one in Australia, so you can find me there. And of course, as said earlier, so that's the double plug now, Nick, the State of (laughs) Health Name and Podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and all major podcast streaming platforms. We talk to sales enablement experts around the world about the topic of sales enablement. So if you're interested in learning more about it, please listen in, subscribe, and rate us on iTunes. I didn't expect a plug for some guy named Felix Kruger in Germany. That was the strangest <laughs> plug I didn't expect. But <laughs> I mean, like, hey, it's, it's your time. You can plug I just, and I, You know, <laughs> people might not see me. They might only listen to me. So uh, they, they can't quite see who it is. So uh, there's a lot of catfishing going on out there. Be careful. <laughs> 
<laughs> there absolutely is. And I do want to mention you do also accept inquiries from companies outside of Australia, I assume. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> no, the yeah, uh, time difference must feeling. Uh, must. That's right. No, no. So we we deal with companies pretty much between Australia and Chicago, and between Australia and Dubai. So we are mm-hmm. dealing internationally. So we're not restricted to Australia. Thanks for pointing okay. it out, Nick. Yeah. Well, listen, it felt important. It also feels important that you go west from Australia to get to Chicago and east to get to Dubai. Otherwise, you've got like 70% of the globe that goes uncovered there, but we're going to leave that alone. <laughs> That's right. No sleep for Felix. Exactly. And when the next episode, we're actually just going to cover geography, you and I. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be geography and anything, but no. Uh, hey, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I really appreciate talking to you. Ladies and gentlemen, Felix Kruger, the one from Australia. Thank you so much, Nick. Next time on The State of Sales Enablement. So the leadership behavioural impact has the single greatest impact on team climate, up to 80%, actually, or in fact, just over 80% of a team climate comes from leadership behaviour, not leadership competency.